Hello, my friends, and welcome to another Robcast. This is episode 188, and it's called You Listening to You, because it's really, really, really important for you to learn to listen to you. It's, it's crucial for all of us, actually, that you learn to listen to you. So here's what I mean. Years ago, I was sitting in a meeting, and this meeting was a meeting of the people who ran the place. We had started a church, and then we had hired people to come around us to run the church, and then those people began to hire other people, and pretty soon there were departments, and then those departments had teams, and those teams had volunteers, and there were divisions and committees, and you know what I'm talking about. It was lots and lots and lots of people, and so once a week, the people who were the heads of all of these different areas would come together for a meeting. So it's probably eight people who would meet. One day, I'm sitting in one of these meetings, and somebody in the meeting says, you know, we do this meeting each week, but then I have to go back to my area and tell the key people in my department what happened in this meeting. Because what we talk about in this meeting of the people who are the heads of the department affects what we do the rest of the week. And so I have to go back after this meeting and translate and interpret everything that happened in this meeting and the implications of it to the people who are in my department who report to me. So this person said, you know, if I could have a couple of those people come to this meeting, not only would it save me time and give them some exposure to sort of the thought process and the objectives and the things that we're doing, but he's like, I actually think that those people could contribute to this meeting as well. And everybody's like, oh, oh, that's interesting. Next week, during that same meeting, somebody says, you know, I was thinking about that meeting last week where we were talking about who should come to this meeting. And I got some people who are in my department who report to me who I think should come because I have the same thing. I get done with this meeting, I got to go back and tell all them what happened in this meeting. And then someone said, well, how big should this meeting be? Because is there a number? Because there's what, seven or eight of us? That seems like we can all kind of interact and have a one conversation. But is there some number at which this meeting would get too big? Like if this meeting had 15 people in it, well, that would be a bit cumbersome and awkward, and we wouldn't be able to have the same flow that we have. So what is that number? So they began to discuss what is the optimal number and who should come to this meeting or not come to this meeting. Third week, somebody says, you know, I've been thinking about this meeting that we have every week and how we've been discussing who should come to this meeting. And I have some thoughts about this meeting. And, and slowly but surely, something within me begins to sink. Something deep in my soul starts to head south because I'm realizing that we're having a meeting about a meeting. <laughs> and now, multiple weeks into it, we are repeatedly having a meeting in which we discuss the meeting. <laughs> now, there was a guy who ran that meeting, and after this had gone on for a while, I went to meet with him, and I said, I just have to make an observation here. It feels like we've spent a lot of time over these past few weeks in this meeting, having a meeting, essentially, about the meeting. And all of a sudden, in that moment, I am struck with a lightning bolt of sheer terror because I realize in telling this to him, I am in that moment having a meeting about a meeting about a meeting. It's like meeting inception, just rings and rings and rings, a meeting about a meeting about a meeting. Now, those meetings, that was an important discussion to have. It was an important thing to wrestle through to make the thing more efficient, to make more people lined up with what we were doing. But I, what they were doing in that discussion they were having was fine. It's just that deep in my bones, it was like there was this truth that kept speaking to me. I don't know if it was whispering. I don't know if it was sign language. I don't know how it was working. You know what I mean? Like what, but it was, it was as if there was something within me that just kept telling me, this is not your work. This is not your future. 
this is not yours. I had work to do. And there was a voice within me that was very clear, you already have work to do. And it isn't having meetings about meetings about meetings. Now, what's also interesting is the goodness of it. They should be wrestling through this. They should be figuring out who should be in that meeting. They should, it was, it was like, this is good, but it's good for someone else. Uh, and those voices of, you know, you should just be grateful for, it was like, no, no, this is an issue of gratitude. This isn't an issue of I'm not willing to do the work because the work that I knew I had to do had its own difficulties and obstacles with it. It was as if something within me just kept saying, this is someone else's work and someone else will sit in your chair and they'll love it because they'll be like, this is exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. This is exactly where I should be giving my energies. It's just, I already had work to do and that had its own challenges because sometimes the competing voice or the other, the, there's a voice that says, well, you know what? Life is hard. So you just got to, you know, eat your vegetables and just, just, you know, tough it out. Um, but no, I, I already had work to do and that, that was tough enough. I don't need to take on other tough. Something within me, it was like it was whispering, hey, hey, this isn't yours. This isn't yours. So that's what I want to talk about in this episode. I want to talk about that something within you that knows the truth about you. And I want to talk about how it is absolutely essential that every one of us are learning how to listen to that truth. Some would call it intuition, your true self, spirit, um, inner wisdom, the Christ wisdom that all people possess, how, however you want, uh, how, however you name it, uh, my friend J.P. Newell speaks of that which is deepest within you. I want to talk about that because we live in this modern world in which we're fire-hosed with voices and messages, and it's, all the, it's more important than ever that we are all getting better at listening for that truth, the truth that is behind, below, around all the other messages and voices that are coming at us. Uh, first, by the way, a story um, that always makes me laugh and that, that uh, it's like the poetry of it. It's the, there's something uh, about, there's a story in the book of, uh, in the Bible, First Kings 19, about a man named Elijah. And Elijah has had a rough ride. He, he's been suicidal. He's been exhausted and dehydrated and hungry and bitter and angry and disillusioned. And this brother is a mess. He spends a, he spends a night in a cave. And then uh, he keeps telling, um, his, his line is basically, I'm the only one who's been true that's left. And now they're going to try to kill me. So he he's, has this paranoia that he's going to get killed soon. Um, and God tells him, Go out and stand in the mountain, on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And the word Lord there is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the one who saves, the one who liberates those who are oppressed. And so he's told, go up on the mountain and stand there in the presence of Yahweh, because the divine is about to pass by. Then here's how it goes. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before Yahweh, but Yahweh was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but Yahweh was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, 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 but Yahweh was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. The Hebrew there translates like a thin blowing sound. Isn't that great? When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. It's like, this is the big moment when he's going to get his guidance. He's going to be told what to do. He's going to get like that sure and certain word of direction. Elijah heard it. He pulls his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, what are you doing here? <laughs> 
Uh, that is awesome. I don't care who you are. It's like the big moment of, okay, I'm going to get direction. He's going to get the word from God. And it's, uh, Elijah, seriously, what are you doing here? <laughs> the reason why I love that story, and there's all sorts of other things going on in the story. It's actually quite bizarre. But what it, the reason why I think it's so awesome is he's looking for the neon, you know, it's the neon sign, the thunderbolt, the, the stone tablets. And instead, it's like a whisper. And the whisper, it turns out, <laughs> is a question. Like, ser uh, seriously, Elijah, what are you doing here? <laughs> but he's told to go up on the mountain. See, this is very classic Jewish subversive writing. He's told, go up on the mountain so that you can have this divine experience. But then the divine experience and the, and the divine will pass by. But then the divine passes by. And what does the, the experience of the divine is the divine going, what are you doing here? <laughs> to which most of us would reply, what do you mean what am I doing here? You told me to be here. Do you see why this is funny? And do you see why people misread the Bible? It's so circular and weird and like, Ah, oh, and I love it. And the reason why I love it is so many times you're looking for the neon sign. You're looking for the blinking light. You're looking for the lightning bolt. You're looking for it to be written out in the sky. Someone tell me what to do here. But the guidance is found in the still, the, the hollow, thin, small sound. Right? It's not, it's, not, it's not heard in all that. It's heard in the stillness and the quiet. And to me, that's a, that's a, it's poetically, it's a beautiful way to talk about learning to listen to you. Now, before we talk about listening to your deepest self, intuition, true self, spirit, a bit about learning to listen and why it's so crucial. Here's the thing. If you aren't learning to listen to your deepest self, to, your, to, to what the truth that is resides deep in your bones and soul and spirit, if you aren't learning to listen to you, you'll probably end up reading off of someone else's script. The authority figure, the boss, the, the, the outspoken family member, the neighborhood, the neighbor, the other parents. Are you talking to your siblings? Are you, are you with me on this? Somebody really influential who's loud and articulate and kind of never lets up with this is how you should do things. If you, if you aren't learning to listen to what your life and your true self is saying to you, you'll probably end up reading off of someone else's script. And no matter how good that script is, it won't be the same thing. And the reason why that's important is you want to know the yes so that you can know the no. Are you with me on this? You learn to listen to what your deepest self is telling you because when you get those yeses, you get those yeses, now you know what to say no to. But if you start with a blank slate and you're just taking the fire-hosing, bombarding messages that are being sent to you all the time, uh, you just end up living reacting. You, you end up, maybe I should do it that way. Maybe I should do it that way. Maybe I should, because in business, there's a way it's done. You hang out with the other parents at the playground, there's a way you do it. You hang out at the family reunion, there's a way we do it. You hang out in the religious community, there's a way we do it. Academics, there's a way it's done. But we don't know if that's your path or not. And we won't know, you won't know until you have blocked out all of that sensory overload, even if it's good and well-intentioned and well-meaning and these people love you and they're successful and wise and enlightened and all that, whatever it is, your path might look different because it's your path. And the goal is for you to have the first word about your life. This is the goal, is that you would be so tuned into listening to yourself, listening to that which is deepest within your life, that you would have the first word because you get the yes. The direction is the next direction to go in. Now you know how to say no. Now you have a lens, a filter, 
a grid through which to run all of the endless stuff that comes your way. Now, this doesn't mean you're closed-minded, you're shut off to wisdom and, and the counsel of others and all those sorts of things. But first off, it begins with each of us listening to the thing that's happening deep within us and what our life, our true self is telling you. Because sometimes what, what we're hearing is this isn't your path. Sometimes we're hearing you're in the wrong place. Sometimes we get a question, what are you doing here? Like seriously, what? are you doing here? Sometimes your true self just starts asking you a question and it's just, why does that person's approval mean so much to you? Why are you pushing yourself so hard? What are you trying to accomplish here? How will you know when you've made it? Why does that person's criticism sting so much more than other people's? What, what is it about that person? Sometimes you get this guidance, sometimes you just get a series of questions and they don't go away. It's like your deepest self, you're learning to listen to it because it's telling you the truth. Pay attention to this, pay attention to that, pay attention to that. Now, when we talk about you listening to you and what your deepest self is telling you, uh, this requires that you grow up. This requires that we are moving towards fullness and maturity, towards our own enlightenment. And, and the truth is not everyone wants to grow up. Some people like having a strong authority figure who tells them what to do. Some people like somebody telling them where to go and what forms to fill out. Some people like somebody telling them what to believe. Somebody... Some people like having somebody give them the boundaries. No, don't read that. No, don't listen to that. Listen to me. Listen to these approved seven people. So when you move to you learning to listen to you, you are stepping into the fullness of you, but it's also a step towards maturity and growing up. And not everybody finds this invigorating. There's a great uh, midrash from the rabbis, Genesis chapter 1. God divides the light into the dark in this beautiful creation, this exploding, joyous creation poem. And the ancient Midrash is, the divine separates light and dark in the opening poem. And then the rest of the book is about humans learning to separate the light from the dark. We would call that discernment, wisdom, maturity, the work of figuring out this goes here, this goes there, this is light, this is dark, this belongs here, this belongs there. This is what it means to grow up into a mature human being as you are learning this, you're wading into the ambiguity and the chaos and the complexity, and you're learning how to navigate through it. Now, obviously, there are institutions and there are authority figures and there are people who rise up who can rescue you from that sort of work. They'll just tell you how it is. They'll just hand you the package. By the way, have you noticed how often the person telling you that you need them has a vested interest in you needing them? <laughs> Keeps the lights on for them. Yeah, so sometimes whole systems are built around people staying dependent on somebody else separating the light and the dark. So sometimes whole networks and systems and communities and ava, political parties and religions, you name, are, are aligned against people growing up because then you wouldn't need the gatekeepers of thought telling you, well, this, well, well you're, you were, you had a meal with who? <laughs> you read books by who? But at the heart of you listening to you is learning to trust that you have what you need and that your life has been speaking to you the whole time. Uh, years ago, 
in another galaxy far, far away. I started going to a school sister of Notre Dame, Sister Virginia. Um, I started going to a school sister for, um, in the Dominican tradition, essentially, um, for spiritual direction. And a spiritual director, this is not a therapist or a psychiatrist or a counselor, a spiritual director is somebody who is... Um, there's probably lots of ways to describe it, but I would say a spiritual director is somebody who is not trained to fix it for you. They're trained to ask you the questions to help you enter into whatever it is more fully so that you can begin to discern what spirit is up to in even this, whatever this is, this chaos, this turmoil, this joy, this challenge, this obstacle, this dark night of the soul. So I would go to Sister Virginia and I would bring her a problem because I'm a modern man and I like to make things and do things and accomplish things. Are you with me on this? This is what, 2004. This is like 14 years ago I started going to her. And uh, there was probably a three-year period there where I would go to her on a regular basis and I would always bring her a problem, something, some person who was annoying me or angering me, something that needed fixing. And it took me a while to realize that she had no interest in helping me fix whatever it was or resolve it. <laughs> She had zero interest. What she would do is start asking me questions about whatever it is. I would bring in this problem and she would say, why do you think this is a problem? And I'd be like, well, obviously, da 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 And she said, maybe this is an invitation. Have you thought about it? Well, what? Or this person, I need to figure out how to deal with this person because they're pissing me off. And she'd be like, why? What is it about them? Is there something within you that causes them to bring such a strong react, to evoke such a strong reaction out of you? And is this more about you than them? Are they just like holding a mirror up to you? Let's talk about that. And then she'd enter into it with me. And instead of saying, well, just do this. And well, obviously, you know the way to solve this. Is she began with the assumption that spirit is up to something. So let's go in and see what it is. Let's go in and listen to what's happening within you. And let's learn to be still and to listen and to follow the questions that arise and see where they take us and see what there is here. What is your true self telling you in this? What is, what is the truth that is deepest within you that we just need to create a little space so that you can hear it. I'm telling you, I mean, obviously I'm talking about a, over a decade later, absolutely transformative for me. Which brings me to another point about you listening to you. To listen to what is deepest within you requires the intentional removing of distractions so you can actually hear. And the reason why I say that is to be a citizen of the modern world is to be bombarded with external voices in a way that human beings have never experienced in our somewhat brief history as a species. This is all new. Billboards, advertisements, it never stops. And the quantity and mass and volume is simply unprecedented. Uh... Probably, I don't know, a couple months ago, my eight-year-old daughter starts riding in the front seat of the car and discovers the radio. And so now most mornings when we drive, when I drive her to school, we listen to the local, local Los Angeles, the local <laughs> pop station. So it's like basically top 40. Um, I've been feeling like I'm at, you know, Post Malone, that sort of thing, Halsey, you, you name it. I'm Ed Sheeran, dear God, that thing's on repeat. So I'm, I'm deep into that world of eight-year-old girl music. And um, I love listening to music. Well, sometimes I love listening to music. Some of it's just like, are you kidding me? But um, part of this morning show is the host, a very, very famous man. He has all these um, sort of like sidekicks and they talk about stuff. And it's unreal. They can take 
a half ounce of something. So they can take they can take a portion of something whose substance can only be viewed under a very powerful microscope, and they can drag it out. So uh, two weeks ago, was it? A couple weeks ago, my son Trace, who you know from the Trace Report, he's with us in the morning because I'm taking him somewhere else after I drop her off. And so he's in the back seat because she insists on the front seat, which is its own inter-sibling geopolitical issue. And he's in the back seat, and this is his first time in the car doing the morning run with us like this, listening to this radio station. And the particular subject that morning was how one of the co-hosts is slightly infatuated with Tim Tebow. <laughs> Just beat me over the head with a hammer now. And the main host was giving her a hard time about her love of this man. I swear to you, they dragged the... I mean, they. I seriously think they got eight minutes out of this, 12 minutes out of this. It was... You could feel your neurons just being like, well, we're going to shut down for now. You could feel your IQ dropping. Are you with me on this? And... Oh my word, if I had a microphone and you could have heard the commentary from the trace, if you could have heard the, the, the real-time trace report coming from the backseat about this drivel. <laughs> <laughs> this is the world we live in where you can easily have your head filled with People magazine-y headlines, topics, rumors, gossip, presidential nonsense tweets. Are you with me on this? So no wonder millions of people feel more ungrounded and lost than ever. We, we are absolutely firehosed with these bits and fragments and out-of-context sentences, but you listening to you requires the intentional removing of distractions so that you can actually hear. I mean, sometimes you uh, drive in silence. This means sometimes you walk, in sometimes you leave your headphones at home. Um, by the way, side note, if, if you... Uh, do this, you will discover so much truth. If you drive without any noise, you you're, you may be listening to this podcast, by the way, driving, which is very funny. Listening to a podcast, driving, telling you, hey, sometimes silence is, is where the action is. You will be shocked at how much truth, how many things you're wrestling with, you actually know the next step. It's sitting there, but it's the still small voice and it's not going to compete. But the moment you intentionally remove loud, twangy, not helpful voices, when you remove the stuff that isn't substance or helpful, you, you will be shocked. This is actually, a, I think this is a guarantee. You will be shocked at how many things you begin to have clarity on. Now, uh... Let me do this. Let's do six things. Let's do six truths because you know I'm always making lists. <laughs> Let's do six things you'll begin to notice as you listen to you. Uh, number one thing you'll notice as, as you're learning to listen to your intuition, you're listening to true self, listening to spirit. Uh, one of the things you'll notice is that certain things don't go away. They just keep coming up over and over again. Certain desires, they don't go away. Some, some longing, some want, something. I've always wanted to. You can't believe how, when you begin to listen, how you'll realize, oh, wait, that's been there. Sometimes you'll realize, since I was a kid, this has mattered to me. There are things I've identified 30 years back that were just sitting there. And oftentimes, the amount of guidance, 
that simply comes from being quiet enough to notice your own story and to notice the common threads, the common stories, the common narratives, the common desires, the thing, the, the longings that have been there the whole time. Um, you'll notice certain kinds of people who keep coming your way. Sometimes it's that person who's incre- oh, so annoying. They get under your skin so fast. And then just when you're like, okay, finally got rid of that person, another person with a very similar, that does a very similar thing to you comes. And eventually your true self is like, hey, by the way, are you starting to get it? Like you're not getting it. Whatever this person is to teach you, you're not learning. And so they're just going to keep coming until instead of responding with bitterness and anger, annoyance, you stop and you go, what is there for me? What gift has this person come to bring me? They obviously crank me up in an unusual way. What is it within me that they are simply reflecting back to me? Do you how this begins to work? Is you pay attention to your own story as it unfolds, and you will quickly see patterns. You will see, rep- oh, in that situation, I generally respond like X. No wonder that situation keeps presenting itself. I keep acting the same way and then wondering why things don't go in a different direction. Oh, the number of times when I've realized, oh my word, every time that comes up, I turn left. If I turned right next time, I wonder what would happen. I wonder if I would be freed from, uh, maybe that's the lesson. You find yourself in a dialogue with yourself because your true self never stops talking. Okay, number two. What you begin to notice is that certain people, places, and events open you up in extraordinary ways. They open you up your imagination. They fill you with hope. They show you possibilities. You'll begin to notice that certain things activate you in a particular way. In the Psalms, there's this idea of the wide place. And so in, in uh, ancient Hebrew thought, there is the narrow, suffocating, claustrophobic, trapped feeling. You know what I'm talking about, right? But then there is this thing that happens when you, get, you move from a narrow, cramped place to a wide place where there's room to breathe, room to spread your wings, room to move around. And I love this idea of the narrow place and then the wide place. And what you begin to notice over time is that certain events, people, places, certain ways of thinking take you into wide places. And what your true, your true self wants to be in a wide place. The, the, the you that is you that is you that is deeper than everything else wants to be in a wide place. And when you begin to notice, oh, these are the... These are the conditions. These are the times. I, you, then you begin to orient yourself. You begin to orient your life around the wide places. And it becomes like a roadmap for how am I going to spend my time? Well, I'm going to spend my time in the wide. What places bring me to the wide places? What actions? What people? What paths? What behaviors? This will inevitably begin to shape the way that you live. Okay, Third, and this one is huge, your tr- what you'll notice when you begin to listen to you is that you'll begin to get guidance on the next step. And the next step will usually have some sort of cost. Yeah. Whatever it is, what's next, whatever the guidance is, whatever you hear, it'll probably involve some sort of cost or difficulty, but whatever the cost is, it's something you'll gladly bear. When you are in the flow of who you are, when you are pursuing who you are here to be, when you are looking for the next right thing, yeah, it'll generally involve some leap. It'll involve some breaking open, some body broken and blood poured out. It'll take something. But what's fascinating to me is how something within you also will be like, yeah, it's going to take something. And then you smile. Yeah, people might not understand that. Yep, I might lose some money. Yep, might be some sleepless. I might lose some sleep. Yep, might uh, take a few hits along the way. Yep, 
and something within you is smiling like, but that would be, but, but that's the next thing. And it, yep. And I only have some of the details. I have enough guidance to know what direction to move, but I don't have all the safety and security. So it's got some unknown. It's got some risk, got some dangers, a leap in it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's like difficult, but invigorating. It's like, you know, it may be exhausting, but it's good exhausting. It's like exhilarating exhausting. And oftentimes I'll bump into somebody who has some sense of the next step and they're, think, they're thinking, man, but if I do that, this might happen and this might happen and this might happen. You say to them, so you just want to turn around and walk away from this? No, I got to keep going. Exactly, exactly. Another thing, another question. Uh, next thing, your true self will often ask you the question, where, uh, where is the life here? Your, tr your true self will often ask you that question because you go in the direction of the life. You go where the life is taking you. So oftentimes in trying to discern the next step, what your true self will often remind you of is when were you most alive? When were you most alive? Okay, what, would, what did those moments look like? Okay, yeah, what were the patterns? What were the truths? Uh, what was the pattern language of those experiences? Yeah, so... Now going forward, which one of these possible options going forward reminds you of those? Because then you should probably take that path. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we always go where the life is. Two more. Here's one I love. Your soul, your essence, your spirit, your true self wants to participate. Participation is the game. Participation is the language of the universe. You know what I'm saying? It's energy and relationship. It's participation. And here's why I say that. Because participation is different than winning. It's different than success. It's different than making a lot of money. It's different than people getting it. It's different than accomplishment. It's different than approval. It's different than the val validation of people you've known along the way. It's different than acceptance from your tribe. Participation is something else. It's like if you had that, you know, those math, like greater than, that greater than sign, like I would just, I have it written out, participation, and then that greater than is greater than all those other things, winning, success, and everything. You, you know it's your true self talking when whatever it's telling you is about greater participation, because that's what you want. You want to be in the game. Yeah. That's so you want to be in the you want to be in the game. And often the what the voices, the scripts that other people have written for you are about, well, this one will make money. And this one will get you more followers. And this one will impress the people that you want to impress. And those are not generally things that you at your deepest self are interested in. Are you with me on this one? Come on, raise your glasses. What you want is you want to be in the game. Actually, the mantra that comes up to me often when I listen, when I'm quiet and I'm sifting and sorting through the thousands of bits and squeaks and fragments that come my way, the line that often sort of rises up is, hey, Rob, it's like me talking to me. <laughs> Me in third person. Hey, Rob, uh, you're not playing that game. And I'll be like, oh, like I'll find myself, you know, that, that sense of like the grass is greener, that sense of am I missing, that sense of am I wasting my time, that sense of, man, other people are like actually successful. Like all, all that sort of weird stuff that sort of comes at you in those weird phrases. But the, the, the voice that when I'm quiet that always rises up is it says, oh, you're playing a different game. Yeah, you're not playing that. You're not here to play that game. Yeah, man, that one will change everything. Oh, and then one more thing. This actually happened to me this week. Uh, Kristen and I, well, we were driving home from tour from S Santa Cruz. <coughs> Excuse me. We were discussing some, you know, thinking, feeling, what's next, what we're sensing. And then two days later, somebody I really respect said, you know, I was thinking about you blah, 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 blah. And they said something that was exactly what Kristen and I had been sensing as we were listening, driving along through the mountains. 
what you'll often notice is when you begin listening, when you begin listening in new ways and you're intentionally removing distractions is that what you're sensing deepest within you will start getting confirmation around you. You'll be still and you'll be listening, I almost picture like in, but then you'll start finding resonance out. You'll start seeing those little synchronicities. You'll have somebody just say to you, you know what I was thinking, have you ever thought about, and you'll, whoa, I, yeah, actually yesterday. And it will be so random that it's not random. You know what I mean? It'll be so like, what a coincidence that you'd be like, that's not a coincidence. Probably somebody you trust love, respect, look up to has already had a similar sense. And you just give yourself that sort of space. You turn that radar on and you will be so surprised how often it's like you get still and remove yourself in order to actually listen to what's happening deepest within you. Inevitably, in a short period of time, something around you will bounce back to you a similar thing. Because sometimes when you talk about even the title of the episode, you listening to you, people are like, yeah, but what about friends? What about wisdom? What about if you're off track? Uh, that's not how it works. You'll find the resonance and the confirmations all around you. Now, the moment you start talking about this sort of thing, Here's a couple big ideas to wrap this up. The moment you start talking about the you listening to you, first off, for many people, this arouses, nothing arises but suspicion when you start talking like this. Because what happened in Western culture for literally 1,000, 1,500, 1,800 years is this idea that humans are first and foremost flawed, depraved, and a wreck seeped into Western culture, that for so many people, the moment it's like, look within yourself, all they were ever taught is look within yourself, all you'll find is loss and destruction and depravity and confusion. But that's essentially reading the story starting in chapter three, as I like to say it, because chapter one, human beings in the Bible, chapter one, it's one way to think about it here, Chapter one, human beings are made in the image of the divine. That's what we know first about us. We bear the image of the infinite. The divine spark resides in every one of us. So yes, of course, we have tremendous capacity to make a mess of things and wander way off the path, obviously, but that's later. And if you start the story in the wrong place, well, of course, then the story isn't going to be a very interesting story. You start story in the beginning, the beginning is what is deepest within you, what is truest within you, what is first about you is goodness, favor, blessing, and the divine image which you bear before anything else. So when you pause and you listen, we're not listening for all the little ways we can make a mess of things, which are sort of floating around the surface. We're listening for that which is deeper, earlier, truer, and more authentic. Yeah, more foundational, more bedrock. How's that feel? Or like in the Jesus tradition, especially in the mystic tradition, the Gospel of John, which is a very mystical book, which is why people in the moderns often misread it. But John chapter 14, Christ in you, you and me and I in you. They talk about Christ in you. And by Christ, we mean the animated energy of the universe, the glue that's held it all together. That's a very New Testament idea. So this is a thing everybody from all traditions and backgrounds have been witnessing too. The fact that the universal life force that surges through all things in people, including you and me, Christ in you and you in the Christ, all people having a deep inner Christ wisdom. Or, as you've heard me say many a time, I begin with the assumption that the universe is rigged in your favor. It's rigged in favor of your growth. I don't think it's rigged in favor of perfection or a nice, easy, comfortable existence because there's lots of heartbreaking, bloodshed, and suffering all around us. But I do believe it's rigged in favor of your growth, maturity, and expansion. So here's what I would say to all of you 
who the moment we start talking about you listening to you, your images are of, well, if I want to make a mess of things, that's what I'll do is I'll listen to my true self because that, no, here's the thing, relax. Because if you're off, you'll know. If you're off, you'll feel it. If you take a step in a direction and that's not where the life is, the more you learn to listen to yourself, to that which is deep within you, the sooner you'll be like, nope, that isn't the right direction. So when we listen to that which is deepest within us, if what is first about us is we bear the divine image, then when we're listening to that which is deepest within us, we're listening to our true self, and at some level, we're listening to the divine. See, you go in to find the infinite. See, this is for a human being. A human being is this finite creature, and yet we've been crammed full of the infinite. So you go in because in is where the life is. You go far enough in and you bump up against that which is infinite. And here's the thing. If you're off, if you're out of alignment, if you're not in the flow, you'll know. You'll know. You'll know. You'll be sitting there thinking, um, I don't think I should be in meetings about meetings about meetings. And I would bet that if you'd look back, let's say across the past year or two years, I I would bet you can identify those moments when you when you weren't in the right place, when you weren't on your path, when you weren't giving your energies to that which you are here to give your energies to. I bet you knew it. I bet you knew it pretty soon. Maybe it took a while, but if you're like me, it just takes a while. Actually, there's a passage, here we go. There's a passage that I love in the New Testament and it makes me laugh really hard. This is about the Apostle Paul, like sort of the giant of the New Testament. <laughs> Listen to this, Acts chapter 16. Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, parentheses, I would add, whatever that means, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. By the way, the Spirit of Jesus, that sounds like a religious cruise ship, doesn't it? But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night there, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. If you're traveling with this guy, Paul, at some point are you like, dude, do you have a plan? <laughs> now, why does the storyteller include this? Oh, by the way, the guy who sort of wrote most of the New Testament, when he went around, he kind of, <laughs> it's almost like, it's like the writer's going, he kind of had no idea where he was headed because he went here and then it was like, mm, that's not the right place. So he turned around, he went somewhere else. By the way, they're not on a jet, right? They're not in a Prius. I assume they're walking. So when it says like they went there, and they realized that wasn't the right place to go. So they went and they went to this place. And then in this place, the spirit of Jesus, however that works, was like, mm, no, you shouldn't go here. And then apparently there's some other place and he suddenly has what, a dream? And in the dream, some guy in some other place is like, you should come here. <laughs> Every time he's like, yeah, we probably should turn around. That's not like turn around and let's go up the freeway a mile. That's like... Okay, turn around. We should probably walk in a different direction for a month. <laughs> we, should, we should probably walk six days in a different direction, only to find out that was the wrong direction. I love it because it's so human. And I love it because for some reason, it's like the writer wants you to know, hey, these people who are sort of treated like spiritual giants, they were kind of walking around trying to figure it out. And a number of times they exerted an extraordinary amount of energy. And I would add the energy of others who were trusting them to know which way they were going only to find out that this is a dead end. Yeah, so relax. You'll probably burn some money. You'll probably have some U-turns. Yeah, yeah, but participation is the deal, right? 
right? It was never perfection. It was, a, it was never nailing it right out of the gate. Yeah, it was never working the plan flawlessly. It was always participation. It was always some sense that, well, we're figuring it out. And that's why I love, by the way, you, I don't think I've ever heard a sermon on that passage because the point doesn't really line up with a lot of people. Oh, then God will tell you what to do. Really? Because this guy is just driving around in circles. He's like me when my maps freeze up on my phone and I'm literally just driving around guessing. <laughs> Oh, I find that so unbelievably calming. Yeah, yeah, yep. So, my friends, it's really, really, really important that you're learning to listen to you. We want you. We need you. We're cheering you on. You listen to you. It gives you the filter, gives you the lens. It's the grid through which you can run your experiences. So when all those things come flying at you, you can be like, oh yeah, no, I don't do that. Nope, yeah, we will be at that, but nope, I won't be at that. Why? Because I've learned over time, when I do that, it doesn't work. When I commit to that, it isn't my path. But when I stick within these couple of things, yeah, that's living. Yeah, that's what happens. You start to trust this and you start to see patterns and you start to identify things. See, even on the front end, something comes your way and your true self is always going, pay attention to this. You're pretty hacked off right now, right? That person is under your skin. Yep, okay, pay attention then. What is here for you to learn? And, and you start to trust that. Oh, man. It starts to get really good. Well, my brothers and sisters, that is another episode of the Robcast. I love doing this, and I love the thought of you, wherever you are, washing dishes, out for a run, driving some kids on the carpool, and all of the ways that the you, the you behind all the other yous, the true you, has been talking to you the whole time. And if you're still... You may be even getting some guidance right now on some things where suddenly you realize, wait, I do know what to do there. Or you've all of a sudden heard that question ever so quietly. What are you doing here? So you got to leave. You got to change course. You got to wrap up that season, start the next one. Because the, you've been in a narrow place and spirit Want to, wants to lead you into a wide place. Grace and peace, my friends. <laughs>